Welcome to the Fast Forward Podcast, the series dedicated to answering the challenges that keep entrepreneurs awake at night. I'm your host, Patricia Keating. More than 10 million people of the UK online population have a registered disability. However, Lloyds Bank and Business and Charity Digital Index has found this year that 96% of SMEs' websites don't meet the WCAG or the International Web Accessibility Guidelines. We have come out on the road today to explore this uh, challenge and opportunity. Inclusive design is about maximizing your potential audience and creating better products. Whatever situation your users find themselves in, it just makes business sense because the more people you reach, the higher the potential profit. It's really that simple. So we've come out today out to Trafford House beside Old Trafford to talk with Sarah Brown Fraser, the Marketing Communications Manager at Activity Alliance. Welcome, Sarah. Hi. So before we get into the whole topic of inclusive design and websites, tell us a little bit about you and the charity and what you do here. So I'm Sarah. I work for Activity Alliance and Activity Alliance is about enabling organisations to support disabled people to be active for life. Um, And my role particularly is probably twofold. So marketing the organisation itself, um, but also helping other organisations to do marketing in a better way that actually is more accessible and reaches more disabled people. And that means that you focus on every aspect of that user experience. And it was actually at a meeting that we sat side by side um, at UK Fast when you came in to explore uh, open data with the greater sport and the, the wider leisure providers in Manchester. And we got onto, onto this topic, didn't we, of um, inclusivity in websites. And you were incredibly passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, I sit on the board of Greater Sport as well in Manchester. So I am very passionate generally about it. And in terms of... I obviously am, first of all, a marketing manager. So why wouldn't you want to reach more people? That is surely your job to satisfy and identify who your target audiences are. So um, it pains me when I see people going wrong in terms of their posters, their websites, their their overall communication plan that could just do better in terms of targeting more disabled people. And there's probably a huge lack of awareness there. And I think for this particular audience of this podcast, entrepreneurs who are starting out, Everything is new to them. So that's why we really wanted to tease this out at at an earlier stage for them so that they can plan it into their to their future businesses. So let's lay it out then. Inclusivity in the context of of web design. Could you explain a little bit about what that means? Yeah. And so websites are obviously built to certain standards in terms of accessibility. Um, and there are three levels in terms of the international standards. That's A, AA, AAA. As much as you should aspire to be AAA, it's quite tricky. Um, but we say really aim for a AA standard um, because that will help you in terms of um, reaching a, a larger audience. And if we had to explain a little bit about what an, a, a single A or double A actually meant in terms of look and design, um, what what would that what are the types of things that somebody designing their website, whether they're doing it for themselves or or getting someone else to do, it, would be considering? Um, I mean, obviously, it's all available online in terms of what you should be looking for if you're a designer. But you can probably tell in terms of it's easier for screen readers. Um, the the tabbing is easier. The navigation's much easier. Um, it just looks a lot cleaner. Um, and then you've got to think about your content as well. So you can have a beautifully designed website that might be built to a double A standard, but you put lots of content on there that actually isn't accessible for things like screen readers or people who actually don't have key control, mouse control, mm-hmm. um, who would probably use 
um, some kind of um, tab in through their website. So yeah. um, depending on assistive technology that people use, um, it will just be a lot easier to use. So in your experience, what are the most common sort of barriers and problems that you've met with organizations who are sort of facing this problem? Maybe because they've built a site and they haven't designed, mm. haven't thought about it and they're trying to fix it retrospectively or perhaps, ha- you know, you're telling them for the first time that they've got a problem and it's and it's a shock to them. What are the kind of problems and barriers that they face? I've worked with huge companies that have spent a lot of money and I'm talking hundreds of thousands of pounds on website content. Um, and then I go and say it's not not accessible. And that's partly because they haven't briefed it in properly. So mm-hmm. the all I can say is the biggest thing is choose your agency uh, wisely if you are choosing to use a third party to design your website yeah. um, make sure you've got examples of when they have built an accessible website and what that actually means because a lot of um, companies will probably tell you yeah yeah it's accessible it's got black font on it and actually that's nothing to do with how accessible your website <laughs> might be but yeah. if you're not aware you need to really yeah. learn a bit more about what it means to be double a standard triple a standard for example um, but also yeah so in the brief, if you haven't briefed that agency, for example, that you want it to be at least double A standard, mm. um, they can come back to you and say, well, you never briefed it. And that was the situation for a lot of companies I've worked with that have lost money based on the fact they weren't accessible because they didn't brief it in one line in their brief. Yeah. Um, and that can make a lot of difference to a lot of companies, especially smaller companies um, who haven't got much money to spend on that sort of content. Yeah. Um, so my advice is to definitely brief it in know about it yourself so know when those people are pulling a fast one on you Mm. uh, in terms of yeah it's accessible there are online free tools that you can test your website um the one i use tends to be wave something called wave um where you can actually it pulls up the errors on your website and if you are techie and code and know a lot about code which i don't know enough about code for it i know what it means and actually if it pulls up the alert if you are very into code actually you will know exactly what it means and how you can change that yourself um and that's really helpful tool even if it and it's available to download on, online so and even if you don't know code if it pulls up an alert you know yep. there's a problem and, and you, you can know end. yeah and you can go back to your agency i mean we do it quite often because we have to regularly check yeah. and if it pulls up a car we're like what's this mean yeah. um, and they do so and they will solve that if you've got that sort of relationship going with your agency yeah it's such a shame it's not actually legislated into compulsory you know worldwide web rules if there's such a thing yeah that, that all websites but have to be that way it's um, fastly becoming european law so um there are companies that you know i mean public it, it's councils and public domains should be accessible yeah. um there's a lot that get away with it um because somebody's not out there actually taking them to court for example and mm. uh, disabled people in terms of the equality act 2010 do have a right to access information and so if they are finding it continually, your website is not accessible, they do have a right to have that information. And it, it can, and ha- I have seen it, ended up in court cases. Be careful. Um, it's not saying that every disabled person is going to take you to court. <laughs> but actually, yeah. why wouldn't you want to reach a lot more people? I mean, I know, for example, older people in my family wouldn't necessarily class themselves as disabled, but they would have trouble navigating a really difficult website. Um so if you are aiming even for a particular age group, hmm. is your website easy to navigate? It goes back to those basic marketing principles we were talking before we started recording about that sort of UX or UI or user experience. Mm. Um, 
and the uh, the planning that you put into that to make sure that the the you know the buying process or whatever it is 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 seamless. Yeah. And I think you said you know if it's too difficult to find the information, you just you just click off. So you've lost the sale. Yeah. Why would you treat you know the type of user that you're losing or the type of sale that you're lo- losing different? As you know, it's. And inclusive design is not about disabled people generally. Mm. It's about people. So, and I I work a lot in inclusive communications. So we talk about posters, we talk about leaflets, we talk about websites. Disabled people might have particular barriers. So Mm -hmm. it might be more for, say, visually impaired people or people with hearing impairment um, or people with learning disability. But at the end of the day, people would actually want to be using a, a really easy to use website where they can find the information they want. If you're put off at first point, and most people go to websites for their first point of call, if you're put off, then actually you put off on the business, and actually yeah. that says a lot about your reputation. Yeah, and you're turning probably money away. Yeah, your brand protect your brand. Mm. So entrepreneurs and designers, um, how can they ensure inclusivity when they're designing a website or a piece of software or a piece of marketing collateral? How can they? sort of ensure that into their process what can they do have a look at the guidelines online they're available so just have a look at what it means because you might know it already Mm -hmm. um but the first point is if you are briefing make sure you brief correctly um there are examples of templates that you should go to have a look on um sites like AbilityNet, who are an organization that specialize in digital accessibility um they have some brilliant videos and just different tips um available I've worked with them before as well, alongside building a website. So because they're experts, they certainly have um, really good advice for people who are new to build websites. Um, Also, I'd say get some critical friends involved. So um, a lot of people are scared because user testing can cost quite a lot of money. Um, However, there are easier ways to do it yourself. And it might be just, for example, you know, offering £50 um, for somebody to test something that you've just started mm. with particular impairment groups. So be be very aware of the barriers that certain impairment groups might have. Um, probably, I would say, um, visual impairment, definitely, with different types of screen readers because not everybody uses the same type. Yeah. Um, hearing impairment, learning disability, even older age groups, younger age groups, don't just think about disabled people. Absolutely. Yeah. People who don't have much dexterity or they can't use mouse. um, Have sort of a group of panel that you know could be critical friends to you. um, That would probably do it to help other disabled people access their information. Yeah, it comes back to where that link between diversity, having a diverse user panel um, links then to sort of ensuring inclusion into whether it's design or or, or groups or businesses or whatever it might be. And a lot of people get hung up on things like, I love yellow, I love that, I love the yellow, everything must be yellow. And actually, have they tested actually the colour contrast isn't good enough for somebody who, who's using that website. Inclusivity and graphic design, that seems to be a slightly different um, sort of nuance to the perhaps overall sort of website design of sort of code and content. Um, but it, it's as vital to ensure that it doesn't sort of reinforce tired stereotypes as such. Um, I think Facebook was uh, uh, an example recently. Um, I don't know whether that was one that you're familiar with or do you have any other sort of um, sort of thoughts on sort of graphic design and sort of the stereotypes that it might reinforce? Things like fonts, colour contrast, um, negative images of disabled people mm-hmm. might play a part in how they view your business. Um, so definitely things like testing how high, high and low contrast your colour is 
Um, choosing, a, we say sans serif font, which is really the less twiddly ones. Okay. Um, so Times New Roman, for example, wouldn't be considered probably an accessible font, whereas Arial, Badana, Calibri, those sort of fonts would be considered okay. more accessible. Why, though? Can you explain Because they're rounder, basically. Okay. I mean, they're just easiest to view. There's arguments for and against that now, um, and especially if you've got something like a screen reader who's reading the information back to you, they wouldn't necessarily be so hung up on, on font too much. However, somebody with a sort of low vision impairment that's trying to view a font and can't read it, mm. or somebody with dyslexia. Now, somebody with dyslexia might not consider themselves disabled. 10% of our population has dyslexia. So white space causes quite a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, so things like, and people still do it, believe me, double spaces after full stops. Um, everyone looks shocked at me when I say that, but people still do that, even in digital world. Um, <laughs> Which bad but, grammar. Yeah, <laughs> bad grammar, double spaces, causes a lot of white space, which actually is a lot of issues for people, say, with dyslexia yeah. um, or people with a vision impairment. I think that's a really interesting point you've made. Like, I mean, the statistic that Lloyds have um, reported is 10 million with a registered disability. Mm -hmm. Yet you've just described another 10% of the population that would be considered dyslexic, but probably are not considered in that number. Mm. Um, and there's a whole range of other hidden disabilities out there that that's, you know, do you think that the guidelines are already covering to take care of making sure that they are truly addressing all of those? Or is there, is there things beyond the guidelines that um, that, you know, entrepreneurs can be considering that if they plan it into the design, they can accommodate it for? Yeah, I mean, Activity Alliance, we have a, an inclusive communications guide, which is free to download. So they can download that on activityalliance.org.uk. Yeah. Um, and anyone can access that. It is related to sport and activity. However, it's so transferable. Mm. Um, and it does consider those sort of the groups of people that you might consider. So if we talk about how big... Um, the barriers in communications could be. We say one in five is consider themselves disabled. Mm -hmm. However, you've got a lot of people that would never label themselves as disabled. Yeah. So we talked about dyslexia. You've all, we've probably all got those nanas and grandas that says, oh, I'll just use a walking stick. I'm not disabled. Yeah. Um, but actually, legally, they probably could yeah. be. Um, sight loss, hearing loss, those sort of things probably have a lot more um, in terms of numbers. Mm. And then it's better where a hearing aid. Yep. And I should, but she'd be showing at you and be like, well, where's your hearing aid? And she'd be like, oh, it's sitting in the box over there. I'm like, great. And I bet she probably never labelled herself as disabled <laughs> or probably doesn't think it helped. No. But actually, when it comes to face-to-face -face communication, she might have more barriers. So, yeah. And also, I think the big thing that everyone looks shocked at when I do we run workshops, the, re the average reading age in the country is nine. So... How does that affect our language in terms yeah. of how we communicate that? Across? That's actually shocking. Yeah. And um, and I think that shows, I mean, the types of papers we read are, are, are written for a certain age group. Mm -hmm. So the Guardian might be 14, the Sun yeah. might be eight. Um, and the popularity of those papers, does that say a lot? Because it's easier to read. Um, and I wouldn't say probably my my reading age is nine. However, I love quick, short information mm. that I can just read straight away and I get what it means. How beautiful would our life be if it wasn't full of jargon? Yeah, true. And I think obviously the way that social media has impacted our attention spans. You know, I heard a statistic um, earlier this week that the attention span of young people in university now is less than a goldfish. So it's like nine seconds or something for a goldfish and it's seven seconds for a young person. So in terms of how they're having to change the way that they teach yeah. the courses has it has to absolutely change because they don't keep the, the students' attention for any more longer than that. 
And I think this is a lot, a lot of people pile their websites, for example, with a lot of stuff and content and actually it's lost. Yeah. Um, so can we do it shorter and better in one sentence? Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting that you've touched upon age because actually it describes my dad perfectly. He's bed bound and he does all of his stuff either on his tablet or his phone. He's a your, your classic silver surfer, mm-hmm. uh, buys on Amazon. And in fact, um, the same Lloyd's piece of research found that 25 million people in the UK now prefer to use, you know, um, other devices to do most of their, their online shopping. Um but despite that, most SMEs haven't actually planned for, for mobile use uh, or designed that into the website, let alone inclusion into mobile use. So we're getting into fairly sort of right, really into a narrow space now where we're talking, let's talk about devices and how do you take the principles of inclusion and WCAG and how does that then cross over into device uh, design? What were your what were your thoughts on that? I mean, uh, most things are mobile first, not necessarily mobile only. Mm-hmm. So um have a look at uh, you'll find that out in terms of your your research and insight in terms of what preference they have and what devices they might use so for example apple um is really built for accessibility so um you might find that a lot of visually impaired people will be using an apple product um that actually will read it back in terms of accessibility settings you yourself can put those accessibility settings on your mobile, for example, and see how your phone works um, and then actually see, actually, that's what I should be doing when I'm designing a, a website. Okay. Um, so the accessibility features that you have in terms of on a website cross over. So you've got to make sure they actually apply when you do your mobile responsive websites, for example. Um, so everything still applies. It just works in a different way. So, for example, like if you're doing a tablet, the screen reader might work out a different navigation for example so Mm -hmm. um i have um different settings on my phone and i've got full vision um i set mine to night vision because i just find the white too bright at 3 a.m when you're trying to read twitter so (laughs) actually you know think about a whole other conversation conversation, (laughs) but actually you know i i prefer it in a certain contrast so Mm. don't think about it's just disabled people it could be older people who actually are lying down trying to do work out how to use a website so easy navigation will probably work for a lot more people. Yeah. Well, I actually keep my Twitter on night night mode because I find the the too bright. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, the accessibility and the importance of uh, that access. I think we've touched on a few of them. You know, what are the sort of the positives for companies that get this, that get this right? What have you seen in terms of the, the ones that have done it well and what benefits it's brought them to their business commercially as well as from a brand perspective? Um, I mean, if you were to look at the figures of the spend that disabled people, disposable income that disabled people have, Mm. um, it's brilliant in terms of to bring to your business some kind of profit. Um, But the beautiful thing about getting it right is we don't just, uh, as disabled people, we don't just um, bring ourselves. We bring our friends, we bring our family, we bring our networks. Mm -hmm. We talk about it. So word of mouth is huge on social media. And there's a lot of viral stuff going on amongst disabled people where actually they're selling bad stuff and they're selling good stuff. So we're very keen on sharing that knowledge, Mm -hmm. especially online. So vocalising the good and the bad. Yeah, absolutely. And it can actually do wonders uh, in terms of small businesses um, in saying, actually, I went to this brilliant place and actually the customer service was huge. They gave me a large print menu, for example. Those sort of things will work wonders um, in terms of customer service. 
That's a very trusted um, channel, I would imagine, you know, mm. in terms of that sort of network that you have. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you look at the sort of traditional sales funnel, you know, where it ends is that referral pace and then it continues on. Um, so if a startup has already built a website, so we're, we're kind of, we'll, we'll touch upon sort of if they haven't and what they should be doing. Um, but if they have, if they've already built that website and they want, they've listened to this and they then want to improve accessibility, um, what how can they how can they go about retrospectively doing that? What kind of things can they do? Can they make it right, or do they need to sort of, you know, bin it and start again? Yeah, I mean, there are obviously it's the code behind it that will make it more accessible. Um, but also, I mean, test it first. It might it might be it might be fine. Um, mm. But actually, test it with your sort of who do you do you know who your audience are? Um, and actually, test it with those to start with and see how it might you could possibly make it better for them to use. Mm. However, what I would say is putting plasters over websites in terms of fixing things possibly doesn't work in, in their favour. Um, they might have to go back to sort of scratch and say, actually, it's mm. just not fit for purpose. Yeah. I guess it depends on the value of, of whatever it is that they're selling as to how yeah. worthwhile, how, how much is one inquiry worth mm. and what opportunity that brings to them. And then if they haven't, so for those that are that are starting out, and we've kind of touched upon this, so we've talked a lot about developers and what they should be doing and what you should be setting out in that brief, but quite a lot of the early, earlier stage don't have that capital and they're going to have to do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. So they will go to sort of WordPress or, you know, some of the sort of template-based um, sort of websites that, or, you know, uh, models that you can get you know that you can create yourself easily for free wix godaddy and um, people like people like that how did they address the accessibility challenges can they or are they just stuck with what they've got so some of those templates are better than others uh, for example wordpress can be really accessible mm -hmm. read up on what makes it less accessible and what makes it more accessible yeah. um so i know people that have got wordpress sites that are running accessibly yeah um templates can cause a lot of problems across the, any any sector in terms of selling um, templates at mass where people don't understand what makes it an accessible website mm -hmm. can cause big problems in terms of um, it's on mass rather than actually doing bespoke websites, which is a lot easier to do in terms of getting that code right. Yeah. So just be very aware of how you're going to test that website in that process um, and actually read up on how that template is accessible or could be more accessible. Is there any sort of clear... Um sort of guidelines on those template websites which indicate that they are accessible or are they do they give themselves a rating or is there any of the template type website offerings that do that not that i know of but i'm probably not the probably the best person to ask on that but i do know wordpress does have sections on how to make it more accessible um the the trouble is and certainly even with the bespoke website if it supplies you with those tools and you don't know what those tools mean mm. or how to use them you need to read up on that because, for example, you might even have a bespoke website that has, when you put an image on a, a website and it says uh, caption or alt tag mm -hmm. and you go, oh, it's an empty box, I don't need to fill it in. It's not mandatory. That actually alt tag will read an image back to somebody say who's visually impaired. So if you're not filling in those boxes, that's your in-house policing that needs to be sorted out Um so you need to have, be an internal sort of champion of it too. Mm -hmm. um, so fill in those missing boxes because actually they might matter to a lot of people. Yeah. 
So it goes back to entrepreneurs learning, isn't it? It's about really knowing um, what you're actually doing before you get um, stuck in and doing it, because that could cost you from a brand perspective. It'll certainly cost you from a from a commercial or a capital yeah. uh, perspective to try and go back and fix those things. And even, I mean, if you're working in Manchester, for example, there are loads of local charities that can actually assist you in terms of even just going and saying what matters to you, what, what assistive mm. technology do you use, yeah. how does that how do you use a website? So find that information out before before you start designing. Yeah. Um, and actually that might steer you in a different direction and think actually that's going to work for a lot more of the population. Yeah. And hopefully a, a, a new market that you hadn't tapped into. Yeah. Um, I think we've we've covered quite a lot of sort of different tips and tools and, and things like that. Um, but it, to wrap up, if you were going to start today and you were going off this afternoon to build your own um, website, Sarah, Sarah, what would be the sort of top tips in terms of sort of key things that you would absolutely be doing today so one know who you're talking to so who is your audience do you know actually what their barriers to communication is um and we've touched on it might not necessarily be a disability it might be age it might be just the way they use or the preference they might mm-hmm. be using a mobile not a computer um so actually know sort of what their preferences are and what their barriers are Pick up any free information. Information is so rife now in terms of accessibility. So download our guide if you need it. Um, talk to people like AbilityNet. Um, there are other companies out there that talk about ability uh, accessibility. Um, and then go and test it. So choose some friends or get some network going. Pay them £50 if it means doing three things on your website. Yeah. And actually find out a bit more and act on it. So don't sit on it. Don't sit on, oh, I know that part of my website is not accessible. But it, we'll do it. We'll yeah. do it tomorrow. That tomorrow's not good enough. So actually, you can obviously it's profitable to do it. And word of mouth is really good too. So and then promote it. So if you're doing really good things in digital world that you think is really accessible and know it's accessible through your testing, shout about it. Because as disabled people, we don't hear enough about good examples. Um so let's shout about and celebrate accessibility. Make it your unique value proposition. Absolutely. Uh, I've really enjoyed this uh, conversation. It's been very insightful into sort of the sort of underlying things that you need to be thinking about uh, in your design for your website. Um, we hope that's been helpful for the for the listeners. If you have any other questions around inclusion into design uh, into your websites. I'm sure that Sarah would be happy to um, help with any questions. So please post them on the review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, But for now, for those people that are out there designing websites, we hope you're going to get a better night's sleep. Thank you.